0: Today I'm excited. Uh, I got to hear him already first service. And uh, look, I just I just think you should hear from some good people uh, besides myself. And and so we have with us a guy this uh, today who's started four churches from scratch. Start one from scratch, you're a hero. You start four of them, you're either a hero or glutton for punishment. Uh, but him and his wife have done that. He's been preaching for almost forty years and. And uh, he's got a good word for you this morning. So could you could you give a great Hedgesville-style welcome to B.J. Taylor as he comes? Could you do that? Thank you, sir. Thank you, Pastor Chris. I don't have to tell you folks how blessed you are, do I, to have this man and his lovely wife and... And those kiddos of theirs, uh they're growing up on him and um and this incredible ministry team that you guys have here. They've been so gracious to me, and I I I want us to honor your pastor and his wife and family and this ministry team. Can we do that? Come on, let's honor them really good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. All right. Thank you, thank you, Pastor, for letting me come today. You took a chance on an old preacher, man. But I, um, I always ask God for a word or a thought. I don't know, maybe a poem. Uh, uh, sometimes i sing a song. Just something to encourage his church that I'm speaking to. And this is the Word for Hope Church today. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Isaiah 41, verse 10. God says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. God says, I will strengthen you. And I will help you. And I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. I know, I can hear the questions, but, 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 but B.J., how, how in the world can we live above fear realizing we are living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty unlike anything anybody has ever seen in this building? Simply put, God is still in control. God is still in control. Listen, God is still on His throne He's not advocated his throne at all, never will. And he is not at all surprised by what he's seeing going on in this world today. You've never, ever, ever, and you never will hear God say, oops, and get that one. Now listen carefully, Hope. You are loved by God, and nothing can separate you from his great love. He is still the great physician. Regardless of COVID. He is still the rock of your salvation. He is your strength. He is your shield. He is your hope and your help. And God is your hiding place. And listen. Because you are a child of God. Climb up in dad's lap. Just go right ahead. Get up in dad's lap. And let him hold you up. And fear not. Surely God deserves a praise offering this morning. Come on. Yes, he does. Still God. Still only strong. Well, let me cut to the chase. I want to thrill you good folks with some facts about the greatest book ever written. Now, Pastor Chris had given me about, actually he said about eight or ten minutes, maybe twelve, but but, so I, I got to go to work here. No, he didn't. He didn't say that. But did you know that the Bible is the most read book in all of history? Did you know it is to date still the best-selling book in all of history? And it is the most translated book in all of history and soon soon to be the in every known language of the whole world. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. This book right here, your Bible. Now, get this. Get this. Deep in your heart, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, <clears throat> teaches us an incredible truth that goes like this. All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is inspired by God literally means that all Scripture is God-breathed. And it is useful for teaching us... And sometimes rebuking us. I know we don't like that, but it's that, that's what it's for. Correcting us and training us in righteousness, in the right ways, the right things, the right things of God. But to what end, BJ? I mean, to what end? So that you and me, the man, woman of God, that's his church, that's, that's, that's us, that's you and me, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, folks, we got a lot of work to do and short time to do it, don't we? That that was weak, but I I, I believe I believe you I believe you're there. We got a lot of work to do. Jesus is coming. We've got a short time. And I'm so I, I'm just thrilled with this ministry fair you got going on out here. We used to do it in our church, Marilyn and I, my lovely wife back. I love you, babe. You're so pretty. But we had ministry fairs years, years, year after year after year, and they work. So listen, listen. God, Jesus is coming back after His church. Get out there. Go back there. Sign up. Plug in. Do something for God. There's a work for every person, and there's a person for every work. And yours is just waiting on you. But you, all, you, you, you know what this Scripture also means? Uh, all Scripture is God-breathed. It means that you can trust your Bibles. You can trust your Bibles. You can trust every chapter, every verse, every line, every word in this book right here. Why, Pastor? Because it's God-breathed. It's God's heart-breath to us. It's God-breathed so you can trust your Bibles. Listen, I trust this book so much that if I read over in there somewhere where a rooster could pull a plow, I'd hitch that bad boy up and we'd go to the Lord 40. <laughs> well, yeah. So just stroll with me just a little while this morning. We're going to walk down the halls of learning and let's just see what God wants to show us. I want to preempt this message today uh, with a portrait of this this B-I-B-L-E. Now that would be basic instructions before leaving earth. (laughs) Okay, so the Bible was written by 40 different people. In every age and stage of life, it was written on three, literally three different continents in our world and three different languages and over 1,600 years. And they all got the same story, all these people writing this. It was written by poets and prophets, princes and kings. It was written by sailors and soldiers. This book was written by attorneys and a doctor. It was written by prisoners and common people and all kinds of people wrote the Bible. And it was written in all kinds of locations. Some of the Bible was written in a cave. Some of the Bible was written on ships. Some of it was written in homes. Some of it was written in palaces. Some of it was written in prison. And yet they all come up with the same theme. That's that's God for you though right there. God can do anything. Our Bibles have the same theme of redemption, folks, from cover to cover over 1,000 times. 600 years. Now, you couldn't get a more diverse group, fishermen, tax collectors, scholars, and businessmen over a period of 1,600 years coming up with the same story. Is that crazy cool or what? <laughs> Still gets me. Now, let me give you an example of what I'm, what I'm trying to portray to you here. <clears throat> now, say I take 50 pieces of paper this morning. All right, I'm going to take 50 pieces of paper. Eight and a half by 11. I'm going to hand them out to 50 people in this group today. And I want you to take that paper and you can tear it in. You can do whatever you want to. Tear it all kind of shapes. Just make all kind of shapes you want to take. And then I want you to take that paper that I gave you and give it back to me. So you tear it up in a shape and you, then I take the 50 pieces back. Now, what would be the odds that all 50 of those pieces of paper would form a perfect map of the United States of America? Hmm? You wouldn't believe it, would you? <laughs> I know you wouldn't. <laughs> because the odds are just too... They're just too astronomical uh, that they would all unify and fit together. But sweet church, hear me with your hearts. This Bible is more than that. It's more than that. It's way, way more than that. It was many places, many people, many centuries, and yet it all fits together with the same unified theme of the one who was, the one who is, And who is to come? Somebody in this house, shout his name to me. Jesus. Yes, his name is Master, Savior, King of kings, Lord of lords. He is Jesus the Christ. And yes, he is the imminent returning Messiah. Makes me want to preach a while. I think I can do more than ten minutes. So I need to get us into Easter season mode, and I, I, I cleared this with your good pastor. He's such a good man. He's he's, he's he's such a good man. And he said, preach it. Now, I'm a preacher and a teacher, so uh, and but today I, I really honestly want to teach you what God's given me. So I want everybody to say, just slow down and calm down, preacher man. Come on. Just calm down a little bit. So let's go to work. All right, Jesus was crucified in 33 A.D., There were only about 120 followers that were true to his message at that time. But today, 2,021 years later, 2.3 billion people in this world, that's billion, folk, with a big B, claim allegiance with Jesus Christ. 2.3 billion. Okay, it went from 120, folks, to 2.3 billion. Let me try to put that in perspective for you. That means that one out of every three people on this planet, that's one out of every three are Christian. Hello. It also means that the Christian church, and Hope, I'm talking about you and me this morning. That means that the Christian church is by far the largest organization on planet Earth. Nothing else even comes close. 2.3 billion and counting warriors of the cross of Jesus. Now watch this. How many is ready to get your fire stoked up a little bit? The church is bigger. This church I'm talking about is bigger than China. Whoa. The church, and you know what? They're coming to China. They're coming to Jesus Christ in China at about 35,000 plus people a day. But now watch this. The church is bigger than China and all of Europe put together. But the Christian church, the believers in Christ, people just like you and me, is bigger than China, all of Europe, and the United States of America put together. Nothing else on planet Earth is bigger than the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about you. We are so powerful and so impressive and so courageous that the gates of hell will not stop the church of Jesus Christ. So how in the world did this happen, Pastor? How did Christianity speed up like that? How did Christianity spread so far and so fast? How did a little band of just 12 lowly fishermen expand into one out of every three people on earth? Three words, powerful words. And I, and I, I dare you to write them down. Come on, write them down this morning. Cross, death. And resurrection. Did you hear me? Cross, death, and resurrection. Now walk, let's just stroll down the halls of learning. You Just walk with me. When God said, I'm going to come to earth and die for the sins of all mankind. And then I'm going to prove that I am God by coming back to life three days later. Now folks, that is the most, that is the most significant event in all of history nothing even comes close to it 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 is so significant it literally split history into bc before christ and ad anno domini which means the year of our lord every other event in history is dated by the resurrection of jesus christ either before or after even your birthday even your wife's birthday men you remember what that is don't you Okay, even your birthday is dated by the day, the month, and the year on how many years it's been since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the single most significant, important event ever in the history of mankind that Jesus died and was resurrected. Now here's the whole story condensed into one, one powerful, familiar scripture, John three sixteen. You want to say it with me? For God so loved the world... That he, let's just start that over. Oh, my. <laughs> for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. <laughs> so the question continues to beg for an answer. In every culture, every people group, billions of hearts, all around this world, people are, are searching. Some ask out of sheer curiosity, and that's perfectly all right. It's good to come into this church and feel the freedom to investigate the claims of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, we, we want, you want people to come in here and investigate the claims. Investigate Him. Learn of Him, and then you'll love Him. <laughs> but some ask out of corrupt reasons, and that's, that's, that's a sad deal. And then there are more, there are many, many people... Uh, probably more like just like you and me who are genuine in their search for truth listen stay hot for truth stay hot for truth it'll set you free yet it is still the most important question in all of history and by a huge percentage it is still the most asked question ever here it is why did jesus have to die why did jesus have to die all right, in 2004, six weeks after the movie The Passion aired, the, infant, uh, the, or, or the entire front of Time magazine was a picture of Jesus. It was the Passion Jesus. And the question in bold letters, why did Jesus have to die? Obviously, the Passion has birthed a continued passion for truth, for answers. So I'm going to do my best this morning, sweet church, to answer that huge question. I also promise to help this church and every guest fully understand what this Christianity thing is really all about. I want to show us why 2.3 billion people love Jesus, and I'm, I mean, I mean, really, really love Him. I promise to show us why the American landscape is dotted with 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 300,000 churches across America and more than three point seven thirty seven million churches worldwide listen to me can i sidebar right here and tell you about the church don't you ever listen to the lie that the church is fading away the church is not look around you are you kidding me church is not going down it's going up church is not going to fade away jesus gave his blood and purchased the church the church is going to rise it's going to grow it's going to keep going but i want to i i I want to just talk to you a while and tell you why there are more than 1.8 billion crosses all over our world do you realize that there's more crosses around the world than there are pennies in the United States a lot of crosses and most importantly with all my heart folks I want to satisfy your question why did Jesus have to die why such a cruel why such a cruel grace why all the blood and the horror and the pain and the gore why so what do you say let's just make good use you, you stepped out in the rain this morning, you're comfortable now, so let's just, let's take this ride. Why did Jesus have to die? First, for a reason, should be on your screens. Jesus died on the cross in Jerusalem, Israel. He rose from the dead to prove, to prove that he was the Son of God. He died to prove that he was the Son of God. Now you may not know this, but crucifixion didn't begin with Jesus. Crucifixion was a long-standing, very, very common form of execution in in the Roman Empire. As a matter of fact, within an 800-year period, period, the Romans crucified 600,000-plus people. Now, folks, that's more than two people a day, 365 days a year for 800 years. Listen with your hearts. Only one soul out of all of those came back to life only one Romans chapter 4 or chapter 1 verse 4 is crystal clear it says Jesus being raised from the dead proved to be the mighty son of god and i got to tell you this right here jesus never claimed to be a great teacher though he was we know he was he was the best teacher but jesus really never claimed he, he never made the claim that to be a moral of authority but we know that he was the epitome of moral authority He never claimed to be a man of God or a prophet of God even though he was both and he was both very perfectly. But he did claim, he did claim I am God and that's why they crucified him. There have been thousands throughout history who have claimed to be God, even many in our lifetime. But the difference between this first century Jewish Jesus and all the others is Jesus said, I'll prove it. I'll prove it. I'll prove I am God. I'm going to let you put me to death. I'll stay dead for three days, but then I'm going to come back to life. And of his own power, that's exactly what he did. Acts chapter 1, verse 3 declares, Jesus showed himself alive after his crucifixion and death by many demonstrations. And for 40 days, He continued alive with His disciples. He hung out with them. He he taught them. He, He made them dinner one evening and He took them fishing. And the book of Acts teaches us that His influence was so mighty, so incredible. After His resurrection... That, that in, within a one-year period of time, about 400,000 people in, the, in, in old Jerusalem, there was about 800,000 that lived there. About half the city of Jerusalem at that time, within a one-year period, came to Christ because of the influence and the passion of the resurrected Savior. Would to God that at the end of this year, that this church could boast of winning half of Berkeley Springs. It wouldn't take much. That's a small place, isn't it? Half of, half of Hedgesville, come on. Half of Martinsburg, half of Williamsport and all the areas that you can gather people from around here. Wouldn't that be incredible? Because you're so fired up about the passion, the passion of Jesus Christ. His resurrection, His death, and His love for us. you got to love this one. It's the second reason that Jesus had to die was Jesus came from heaven he died on a cross and he rose to life three days later to pay for all our sins aren't you glad I got to tell you folks the cross the cross is largely about forgiveness I'd love to come back and talk to you about that one of these days forgiveness the forgiveness that God has forgiven us with and then the forgiveness he puts in our hearts so that we can forgive one another cross is largely about forgiveness. Let me show you. When Mel Gibson's The Passion aired, you either loved it or you hated it. I thought it was a masterpiece. I just recently watched it again. It's a hard watch. It's a tough watch. The critics asked Mel, why in the world did you focus so much on his horrible death? And oddly enough, I totally agree with Mel Gibson's answer. He said, that's the part that saves you. That's the part that saves you. He said, we were dead. Now, this is Mel Gibson. I'm quoting him here. He said, we were all dead in our trespasses and sin, but Jesus died so we could live. He said, while we were sinners, Jesus died this horrible death on the cross. You see, it's not the life of Jesus, folks, that saves us. Not necessarily. Now, just listen intently. It's not the teachings of Jesus that saves us. Not not necessarily. But it's His death and His resurrection. Listen, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, and David Jeremiah, even your wonderful pastor, Chris Jones. The list is long of wonderful, incredible people, powerful people, powerful preaching people, preaching the gospel. But not one of them poured out their lives and died to pay the penalty price for sin. Not one of them. I Man, it's a great preacher right there. I, I told the first church this morning, he, he can preach the hair off a mad devil. I mean, he can just sit. I don't know how he does it. He just walks up there, reads the scriptures and just starts throwing down. And I've been doing this for 40 years and I still have to have notes. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 is crystal clear. Declaring, without the shedding of blood, there is no release from sin or its guilt. In other words, there's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. So someone had to pay. Someone had to pay. Someone had to pay the penalty for sin. But why, Pastor? Why? Because the Bible says in Romans 6 and 23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Now sweet church, listen listen carefully. You, you couldn't pay. we couldn't do it. so someone had someone had to become the gift. but why, BJ? Because everything costs something. Everything has a price. sin has a price. you know it, don't you? And because God's law is firm, it is unchanging, listen, it's either hell because of our sins or somebody pays the price. Somebody pays the cost. And Hebrews, or Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, look at it with me, declares it. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7. In Him, in Jesus we have redemption through His blood. We have re- That's the only way you can be redeemed is through the blood of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. And please, please bear with me. Let me read something out of Psalm 103. We're going to begin at verse 8. Psalm 103. Oh, listen to this. This is the most beautiful, poetic, powerful thing that you'll ever hear it says the Lord is merciful and gracious to us he's slow to anger aren't you glad and abounding God is abounding in mercy he will not always strive with us nor will he keep his anger forever God has not dealt with us according to our sins we could stop right there and go home and say we've had church He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor has He punished us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is God's mercy toward those that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. And as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear Him. For He knows... Our frame that we are dust. Thank you, Jesus. So why did Jesus have to die? I brought you a third reason here. Jesus had to die to make us acceptable to God. Now listen. Romans chapter 4 verse 25 says that God gave Jesus, God gave His only son, God gave Jesus to die for our sins, and then he raised him up to life so that we could be made justified, acceptable to God. Now, folks, I've been a pastor for a long, long time. Almost four decades. And I have never, I have never met, I have never known anyone, not the first person who really didn't want to be accepted. Come on. There's not one person in this room right now that doesn't want to be accepted. Be a good, really, really good time to say amen. But I have known hundreds and perhaps thousands of people, and I've pastored many, many, many of them over the years, who just didn't accept themselves. Now that's a good time to say, oh, me. They don't like themselves inside or out. They wish they were different. They wish they, they wish they looked different. They wish they thought different. They wish they loved different. They wish they felt different. They just wish they were different. So they don't accept themselves and they spend a lifetime trying to find acceptance in the wrong places. It's one of the greatest human tragedies of all time. Low self-worth, low self-esteem. And that's another great message. But B.J., if you only knew what I've done, if you only knew how I've acted, man, I mean, if, if, you only, if you only knew what's happened to me, if you only knew how I've been treated or how I've treated other people, how I've dog-talked other people, or I've been dog-talked, then you would know why I could never be accepted by God and why I surely couldn't accept myself. Can I read you something and you promise to soak it up with all of your heart? Promise me. Come on, I'm, uh, thank you very much. Folks, Jesus not only died to make us acceptable to God, but Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that God took this perfect, sinless Christ and there on the cross He poured into Him all of our sins. Every single, dirty, nasty, hidden sin and then in exchange... This is the great exchange that, the, that us preachers love to preach about, the gospel. In exchange, Jesus poured his poured all of God's goodness, his Zoe life, all of God's his very life into us. And hope, church, it gets even better. Romans chapter 3 verse 22 says, God says he will accept us, not only accept us but acquit us and declare us not guilty if we would just trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins and we can all come and be saved in the very same way. No big eyes, no little use, no special treatment for one and not for the other by coming to Christ no matter who we are or what we've done. <laughs> Why don't you give somebody a great big smile right now? I mean, you know, look like, look like a, a mule eating sawbriars through a fence and just smile at them really, really good and, and tell them, God loves you and I love you. Come some of you did. You didn't look like a mule. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean that at all. Let me tell you the fourth reason why Jesus had to die. Jesus died to save us by His grace. Save us by His grace. How about, how about this? Uh, let, me, let me teach you grace in layman's terms. How about God's riches at Christ's expense? That's exactly what it is. Grace is God giving me and you what we need, not what we deserve. Grace is God saying, BJ, you don't have to be a Billy Graham to, to get to heaven. You don't, have to be, you don't have to be your pastor, Chris Jones, to get to heaven. Grace says it's not how good you are or your good works or your pedigree or your credentials. But sweet church, here is grace in a nutshell. Listen. If you don't get anything else today, make sure you get this right here. Romans 8 and 3 in layman's language. This is layman's language. Now I'm going to give it to you. In We are not saved by keeping the commandments of God because we can't and we don't keep them. So God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent his own son in a human body as a sacrifice for our sins. For by grace we are saved. It is the gift of God. Mm. Here's one to go home on. The fifth reason that jesus came from heaven he died on a cross roman execution style he was beaten without mercy they nailed his precious hands and feet they mocked him with a crown of thorns they labeled him as a fake king and there on the cross jesus our savior suffocated to death they shoved a spear through his ribs into his heart then they buried him in a borrowed tomb but he kept good to his promise didn't he huh come on i know you know this old song (laughs) up from the grave he arose With a mighty triumph over his foes, Jesus rose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever. With who? With who? With us, his warriors. That part of that 2.3 billion living saints makes me want to have a spell. All right, Jesus died so we can start brand new lives. Jesus died so we can start over after a bad. deal after a bad marriage after a screw up after a tragedy in your life whatever jesus died so we can start over and the bible says that his mercies are new every morning great is thy faithfulness please stand with me as you do i want you to close your eyes take a deep breath folks this is from a document that cannot lie the infallible Word of God. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Because Jesus was raised from the dead, you and I have been given a brand new life. And now we have everything to live for, even a home in heaven. Did you get that? Do you know Jesus this morning? Do you know Him in your heart? Run to Jesus. Listen, time is running out, folks. Run to Jesus. He loves you. He loves you so much. He gave His life for you. Run to Him. Accept Him. He'll accept you just like you are, but He loves you too much to leave you that way. So He'll work on you and, then just, and just love you and make the man or woman of God that He wants you to be. God bless you. I love you. Thank you.